as, as we're going through this text, you know, it's 60 verses that we're going through. And, and this is a speech that Stephen's giving because he's been brought before a council that wants to know if these charges are true. And so before we get into the history of Israel, and before we get into Stephen being persecuted and killed for Jesus, I want us to take this time to pray for those brothers and sisters who are across the world right now that are in underground churches hiding, worshiping Jesus in secret because their very life depends on them hiding. Because if they're found out, they would be killed for following Jesus. So if we could join with me all together, just asking the Lord to, to provide for them and to guide them and to protect them, then we'll believe that Lord, the Lord will do exactly what he's going to do. So if we could go to the Lord in prayer together as a family. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Father, that our brothers and sisters across the world, Lord God, who at this very moment, Lord, are going without clothing, without food, without water, that are being tortured, Lord, for your name. Lord, here in the West, Lord, we will never see that, Lord. I don't know, Lord, maybe we will. But we ask, oh God, that the persecution that's going around, going around the world somewhere else, oh God, those brothers and sisters who have lost courage, who have lost faith, I pray that you restore that courage in them, that you would restore that faith, Father, that you would strengthen them, Father. Because we know that they're being tortured across the world for your name, that they're being killed, set on fire, tortured and raped and killed for your name, Lord. But we pray, oh God, we pray for those families, Lord, that are being killed because they follow you, Jesus. But we ask that you would come quickly, Lord. Come, Lord Jesus. Come quickly, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. You know, um, as I was preparing for this week's sermon, and I started reading this text, the first thing that came to my mind was, here's Stephen giving a family history of the people of Israel. And so I remember as a kid growing up, hearing my mom speak about her dad, and she would mention her mom. And like a normal kid, I would just ask questions like, well, where's my grandpa at? And where's my grandma at? And tell me the story about how I was raised and how you were raised. I wanted to know the family history, and I did the same thing with my dad. And what I come to find out was with my dad, there was a lot of brokenness. His dad was never there. And I've shared this story before in the past, but my dad was treated like an animal. They kept him outside, they made him sleep on floors, and they treated him really, really bad growing up in El Salvador. They treated him like as though he was a dog. And tragedy, my mom experienced tragedy losing her mother in a bombing at a church. When the Civil War was going on, going on in El Salvador, a bomb hit the church where everybody was hiding at, and when that bomb landed and hit the building, people started scattering out. And when they started scattering out, they pushed her down, and they trampled her to death. And so my family history has brokenness. It has tragedy in there. And I can't change that family history no matter what. I embrace it, and it is what it is, as they say. At the end of the day, we see Stephen, Stephen bringing an account of the history of the Israelites. 
And there's a lot to cover here, family, but I'm not going to go through every single verse. But I just want to hit the main points. And this is what Stephen's trying to do. He's being accused of doing something wrong, but now he's going to start reminding them, hey, listen, you guys, you guys are the ones that rejected Moses. When God gave us Moses, who you rejected, when he brought us out of the promised land, we wanted to go back to Egypt. We wanted to worship another God. We wanted to not obey Moses. And he's reminding them of their past. He's reminding them of their brokenness, their track record. The main verses we're going to be at today, family, is going to be verses 51 through 60. So if you could turn there, that's what we're going to be reading. Verse 51. You stiff-necked people, uncircumcised in your hearts and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did, so do you. After he gives his long speech, he tells them these strong words. These are not pretty words to tell somebody, but as we read later in the text, we know he was guided by the Holy Spirit to speak in this manner, to be, to be able to confront the issue. And the issue was this. They're the ones that not only rejected the prophets, the messengers, but in fact the message that they brought of, those, of that Holy One, of the Redeemer that was to come, He's now come, and now you've killed him. You've killed the author of life. You're the ones that killed Jesus. And so he's reminding them of the history of the people of Israel, and he's pointing them back. And you guys have always failed to believe. You've always failed to listen to the prophets. You know, I think about my kids. You know, it's kind of like when I tell them to do something. And all of a sudden, they have, like, have amnesia. They forget that I told them to do it. You know, it's weird, right? But the moment you tell them you're going to do something nicer, then they, they, they remind you the whole week. Hey, we're going to go on that family vacation to Florida. And they're saying it for the whole month. But you ask them to do one thing, and they forget. Right? It's crazy. It's like they have amnesia. What Stephen is doing here, he's reminding them because they have amnesia. They have forgotten their past their track record. They have forgotten the brokenness, the tragedy. They've always resisted the Holy Spirit to the point of even crucifying our Lord and Savior. And the point that he's making is this. Your forefathers did it. You're doing it now. And this is the main point of this text. This is the main point that we see that we ourselves as people can ask ourselves this question. If they were so near to God's glory in the temple and they missed it and they resisted God, how are we resisting God? How are we resisting the work he's called us to do? How are we resisting what the Lord Jesus has commanded us to go do? Which is to go make disciples. To proclaim his coming. To make disciples. Who make disciples. Family, listen to me. The Lord Jesus didn't just save us out of darkness. Just so that we would sit on the seat and wait. 
We're not waiting for the train to come or the plane to come. We're called to go to the people. We're called to go proclaim the glorious greatness of that gospel. And we do that because without that, they have no hope. People live without hope. They live still stuck in their sin. They're dead. And God uses us to be able to speak a fresh word into their life. To the person who's stuck on drugs, who's stuck in lying to his wife and cheating on his wife, to the person who's married to his business, or to the person who's more concerned about himself or herself. And they've gone to the end of themselves already. They're completely surrounded by depression, by anxiety, by fear, by guilt, by condemnation. For what? You know what you give them? Then, you show them the patient love, kindness, by bringing to them the message that can only transform people's hearts. And that's the gospel. We, family, have a responsibility. Let me put it like this. God uses people like us to go forward in life, to speak life into people by sharing the gospel. We're not responsible for the outcome. When we speak about Jesus and we share about God's goodness, of what God wants to do in your life, what he's already done for you, for your life. Because it's not what you need to do to get closer to God, but what he's done for us. And when we bring that message, when God's using us to bring that message, we're doing what he's called us to do. We're not resisting the work he called us to do, which is to go and make disciples. But when we go, we don't need to go in fear. We don't need to go knowing that we have to try to change that person, that we need to hear a response, looking for a decision. No, we go because the outcome is not our responsibility. We're called to share, and that's our responsibility. So I want us to turn to Matthew chapter 28. If you have a highlighter or a pen, this would be great. Is that on? Okay. Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. Circle this one, write it down, highlight it, take a note on this one. This is what the Lord Jesus tells us to do. Starting with verse 18. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. This is the call of the church family. This is the foundation. We ask ourselves the question, how are we resisting God? Number one, we could be resisting God by doing this very work. The second thing is that we continue to hear messages of the gospel, messages of Jesus dying for our sins, 
messages of Jesus living and dying for us, but we reject the message. And the reality is, family, is that God doesn't want any of us to perish. He says in Ezekiel, he's not willing that anyone would perish, but that they would repent, that they would turn to him. Mercy and grace has already been extended, and it's been in the form with Jesus' hands up on that cross for us. He doesn't want us to be separated from God. He wants us to be reconciled. And he's done everything for you and I. And that's the call of the church family. To preach that message, that very same message of hope. And you're the agent of change that God uses. We have to be able to ask ourselves, how are we resisting the work of God in our life? Because if we can't be real with that question, you know what we're doing? I mean, just being real. We're just fooling ourselves. We're believing our own lies. How many people believe their own lies? I do. Especially when I look in the mirror. I'm like, man, I look like I'm losing some weight there. Man, you know? I'm like, man, got a little bit of gun. You know? I believe my own lie when I look in the mirror. You know? We're too quick to believe our own lies. But we need to be real with ourselves. We need to do a heart check. Lord, where is my relationship with you for real? Do I truly know of you? Or have I heard of you? Am I known by you? Or do I just look for you when times get hard? Do I just come to Jesus when I need to feel good about myself? And I want to hear about mercy and grace and being a daughter of God and a son of God. Or is it man? I know I'm a daughter and a son of God by faith. And I know I've messed up. I know I have victory in Jesus, yes. But to be real and give ourselves that heart check because you know what? It's kind of like a check engine light. You know those check engine lights, man, they'd be lying, right? It comes on, right? And then, and then you're like, okay, it's on, but I'm going to keep on driving and see what happens. And then it goes off, you're like, thank you, Jesus. It's okay, it's good now. But then a week or two later, or maybe a month later, it comes back on again and the problem gets worse. And you're like, man, i got to go get it fixed now. Every one of our lives, we need to be seeing the check engine lights in our hearts. And we need to ask the question, how is our relationship with the Lord? And be real. Are we, are, are we, are we always doubting God? Always run, are we always running away from God? Because see, what Stephen is showing us right here, and what this text is about, is that the people of Israel resisted the work of God to the point where they killed the Messiah. So for us, we ask ourselves a question in our lives. How are we resisting? Look at verse 54. Let's look at verse 52. Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who announced beforehand the coming of the righteous one, whom you now betrayed and murdered. You who received the law as delivered by angels and did not keep it. But look at what Stephen says, verse 55, or 54. Now when they heard these things, this is the response. When they heard these things, they were enraged and they ground their teeth at him. The message that Stephen said got, got them to the point where they started grinding their teeth. 
Because they were so mad at what they just heard. But watch this, verse 55. But he, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, Behold, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. But they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and rushed together at him. Then they cast him out of the city and stoned him. Stephen witnesses Jesus at the right hand of God. This is the vision. Number one, he sees the risen Jesus alive. Standing in glory and power and authority at the right hand of the Father. That tells us one thing, family. That Jesus is the King of glory. There is no other God but Jesus. There is no other but Jesus. That's it. There's only one way. He is the way, the truth, and the life. That's it. Not all roads lead to God. It's just Jesus, and that's it. That's the message that we proclaim. Now, we will come across people who don't believe that. But I would encourage you, sit down with them. Talk to them. Get to know them. Hear their story. And what you'll begin to see is that they were raised in a certain way or a religion. Don't be mad at them. You weren't born a Christian, right? Or am I wrong? That's what John chapter 1 verse 13 says, not by blood. We weren't born Christians. Even if we're born into a Christian family, we're still not born Christian. It's by the will of God. That's it. How long was God patient with you before he brought you in? Or were you perfect? Right? So let us be patient with those that we encounter. If it's a Jehovah Witness, man, love them in patience and kindness. Show them Jesus. Live it out for them. They always come through our doors, don't they? Knocking on our doors. You know? And man, it's crazy. Because I used to battle them. Like we had we would have like this spiritual battle. You know? You know what I'm talking about, right, Brother Omar? You know? For real. I was going to show them how they were wrong. But here's the thing. It just created barriers and walls. Jesus is the only one. And as we see Jesus standing at the right hand of, of God, we see this, is that he is the only way. He is the risen Lord who is alive. And as we look today, family, at what Stephen is speaking here, these are the words of a man moved by the Holy Spirit in spite of knowing that he's about to be stoned and killed. He's a witness for Jesus, the very first one to go as a follower of Jesus. And you know, here in the United States, we don't see persecution, right? We, we, we can hold a sign on the street and say whatever we want to say and even record it and be in, the, in, the, in, the, in front of an officer's, officer's face and record it and tell them whatever we want to tell them because of freedom of speech, right? That's America for you. But in other countries, there are brothers and sisters who literally have to have a place where they can meet in secret. Because it means that they will be killed if they're found out. And one thing we're, we're going to see throughout the book of Acts is this, is that through persecutions, through Christians being killed, the church continues to grow. 
It continues to grow. Just like the way of grain, the head of a grain of wheat, for it to die, for it to multiply, a Christian who dies, the word of God continues to multiply. And that's a fact. But persecution is what we don't see here in the States family. But I would say is this, is that we should continue to pray for our brothers and sisters who are being persecuted. And man, I, I've been listening to this new audio uh, book by um, Voice of the Martyrs. If you ever heard of that organization, you can Google them. And it's about people who are actually in the Middle East and they're being persecuted by Muslims, uh, by ISIS. And what you see in this in, in this in this testimonies, you hear crazy testimonies like this one guy called the insect killer. So the insect killer would be the guy who would go bomb a church building and he would go back and he would rejoice on the body counts. He would rejoice in how many Christians were dead and how many people died. And so one day he goes to go see his work. And then he sees the survivors who survived the bombing and they're together and they're praising God. And he was so mad. He couldn't believe that they were rejoicing and praising God. And so he said, you know what? I got to come up with a creative way to get to them. So I'm going to act like a Christian. So he acts like a Christian, goes to the church, even gets baptized. All, he does all these things to put on this front. And then one day a guest speaker comes and the pastor says to him, hey, we have this speaker that's going to come and he's a youth speaker. And this man, he got mad. He's like, why'd you pick him? You should have picked me. Good, he's putting on this fake front, right? The sermon starts to happen and the preacher begins to say, either you would choose God or you choose Baal. Who are you fooling? I'm talking to somebody today here in this audience. Who will you choose? Will you serve God or will you continue to serve Baal? We know that you're a murderer. We know that you're lying. So stand up so we can pray for you right now. And so this man, he begins to say, I've been found out. And so he stands up and they pray for him. And for the very first time, he came in to destroy the church. God radically transformed him through that. And now he's become a follower of Jesus, whose his own son was killed because of him following Jesus. This is the point that I'm making, family. The message of the gospel, the family history of our brothers and sisters of the church and our future brothers and sisters of the church is this, is that blood will be spilled for followers of Jesus. It's sad to say, but it's true. In this case, this man's own son was killed for him following Jesus. That's the Savior. That's the King Jesus who we follow, who where people are willing to, to, to be okay with that because he said, I pray that God will bring change to that man's heart. And he ended up sitting down, meeting with the man who actually killed his son. And the story stops there. The point that I'm making, family, is that as followers of Jesus, we will be persecuted. And we may not see it here as openly, but we do see it in certain forms and ways. 
and how we see that his family rejects us. I remember I was talking with somebody and um, they found out that somebody was going to this church. And they said, that person's going to your church? Man, you don't know who they are. And I said, listen, the church is hospital. It's not made of perfect people. It's not made for people who got it together. It's not. God's going to change that person in time. Oh, but you don't know them. You don't know my Jesus. And that's the kind of king we serve. So as Jesus has done everything for us, family, reminding us this day even now that he laid down his own life for you and I, for us, so that we would be seen as his. Verse 59. Oh, watch this. Actually, no, verse 58. And they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. We're going to be reading about him next week. Actually, Brother Joseph's going to be bringing the word next week. And as they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against him. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. These words from Stephen, Lord, receive my spirit. Lord, do not hold this sin against them. It's, almost, it's, it's exactly what we see from Jesus. The kind of gospel that we know and believe here is this. The gospel of grace is so radical, it will liberate you to forgive the people who are about to kill you. That's hard. Jesus says, love your enemies. That's true. What may be hard and what's true, we need to separate. The truth is what we must stand on, no matter what. Jesus says, love your enemies, we love our enemies. Is it easy? No. But we do it because he tells us to. So today I want to leave us with this. Several things. <coughs> if you found yourself resisting God, and the sense of rejecting him over and over again in your life. And you realize you've been rejecting God and you've been playing the role of a Christian like this guy that I mentioned. Today, I will tell you to turn and know that there's mercy and grace that you don't need to act. That we can take off our mask and come before him and he offers us forgiveness. Alright. If we find ourselves resisting what God has called us to do, and we're not doing what He's called us to do, which is to go and make disciples. If we find ourselves doing that, then I would encourage you, family, is connect with one of the leaders here and ask them how you can be a disciple maker. Because every one of us should be sharing with somebody. And don't you know that you're the only person that can reach people around you that I can never reach? 
that Brother Mo could never reach, that my wife could never reach. Only people that know you. And you're called to be that light, to be that salt, to bring that hope. I've seen people talk people down from suicide. And I'm going to tell you something, family. We are the agents of change that God has sent on mission. We're those hot spots, if y'all remember that last time. Healing, operating through, sent people, okay? Operating through Holy Spirit power. That's us. We've been empowered with the Holy Spirit to do the work of ministry to share this message of hope. And there remains nothing else. Preach the gospel. Share it. Share with somebody. Let somebody know the good news. Don't leave them there. Don't say, man, it's just bad luck. It's not bad luck. It's a broken world. And I don't know what to do with my life. I'm tired all the time. I'm depressed. I got anxiety. And I'm sorry to hear that, man. Let's sit down. Let's chop it up. Let me tell you how I dealt with my anxiety, my fear, my guilt, my stress. And I gave it to the Lord. It wasn't easy. But that's what I did. And stand for Jesus. You know, I'm going to tell you something, family. I, I believe that one day we will, we'll, we will see persecution here in the United States. I truly believe that. One day, I don't know when, but I believe we will. But we have to be willing to stand for Jesus. Even if it means life or death. Even if it means our job security. Yeah. Be willing to lose a job over your convictions. What does the profit of man if he gains the whole world but yet loses his soul? Nothing is more worth to us than Jesus. There's no value on Jesus for us. No one or anything. But be willing to stand for Jesus. No matter how bad it gets. And no matter how good it gets, don't think it was built by your own hands. To stand for Jesus as a witness. Live and die for Jesus. Let your life be a light. And shown to the world what God has done in your life. And in those moments of breakdown, man, glorify God in that. Show me your strength does not come from yourself by you doing something. See, man, man, my, my Lord got me. My God will take care of me. He's my shield. He's my strength. He's my helper. He's my provider. He'll never leave me. Luke 9, 23, verse 24 says this. And he said to all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save him. Live and die for Jesus. Know that when suffering comes, be reminded that the Apostle Paul gave us some encouraging words when he was in prison, when he was beaten. He gave us some encouraging words in Romans 8.18. He said this, For I consider that the present sufferings, I consider that the sufferings of the present time 
are not worthy to be compared with the glory that will be revealed to us. Suffering is only for a moment. When we suffer as being a Christian or having a stand of belief, at the end of the day, know that it's only for a moment. And lastly, family, as I close with this, if you have found yourself rejecting God in your life, and you want prayer, and you're tired of playing the game, having a mask on, man, come for prayer. Come for prayer. We're not going to judge you. I played a Christian role for a long time when in my teen years, when I was going to church just to meet girls. Yeah, I'm being for real. Yeah. yeah. I did that for a long time. And it wasn't until God changed me. It wasn't until God changed me. I was doing it for other people and wrong reasons. But at the end of the day, I knew I was wearing a mask. So sometimes we have to unmask and be real. And let the grace of God transform us, family. Let that mercy and that love that he's already shown us transform us. Not so that we would be better people, better uses, but man, that we would be transformed to do what he's called us to do. Let's bow to prayer. Gracious Father, we thank you, Father God, because we can come before you, Lord God, knowing that you are the ultimate witness, Lord, that you testify the goodness, the greatness of the gospel, Lord, that you, come, that you came to reconcile us to you, to redeem us from the curse of the law, to bring us in a right relationship, because we cannot do it on our own. Lord, remind our hearts today, Lord God, that we don't need to come to you having it all together, but we can come with our, with our breakdowns and our check engine lights and with our mask on, and we can come to you and ask you, Lord God, to remove those masks, to repair those heart problems, to transform our hearts. So I pray, Heavenly Father, that this very moment, that that heart that needs to be transformed from that heart of stone to a heart of flesh, that you would transform it, Lord. That you would do that work in that heart this day. Bring those, Lord. Bring those that are yours, Lord, to repentance. That they would call upon your name. That sweet, awesome name. That's sweeter than honey on our lips. The name of Jesus. The name that's above every single name given to men on earth or heaven. In the name of Jesus, we know that every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. Change those hearts, Father. Show us, Lord, how we've been resisting your work in our life. And lead us, Lord God, to fulfill the work you called us to do. To preach your word to share your word, to make disciples, Lord. Strengthen us, Father, for this good work. Grant courage, boldness, and wisdom to each one of my brothers and sisters, not only here, but across the world, Lord God. 
We thank you, Father, because you are faithful. We thank you, Father, because you loved us first. That's why we're able to love you. We thank you, Lord, because it is your loving kindness that leads us to repentance, oh God. Let your word go out and take root this day, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.